The Greenlight Podcast will see clearly now with Oakley jumping into the podcast game. Head to oakley.com for the greatest shades in the game. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me, try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com, O-A-K-L-E-Y, for more information today. Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. Cowboy Chris, Kyle, J.J. Watt, just a couple former football players. That's right, former, because J.J. Watt is still retired. Maybe he won't be by the end of this podcast. Chris was asking J.J. about retirement, what life is like now that he's not training for the NFL, and J.J.'s ownership of the Premier League team, Burnley. Kyle asked J.J. about the Pro Bowl, why he felt like he needed to work so hard, about fatherhood and finding new meaning now that he is a son. We had a wonderful conversation. Make sure you check it out on YouTube, too. After you listen to this, Jump over to YouTube, like, subscribe, smash that like button, and have a good time with this interview just like we did. We'll be back Thursday. Y'all enjoy. We got J.J. Watt today. Who's awesome. Who was great. You know, at different points in my career, people I think, hated I him. think it was just like he, he, was so, he was so Captain America that people were like, hey, fuck this guy. He can't be that cool. Yeah. I think after talking to him for an hour, I would have loved to play with the guy. Yes. And, and uh, I also think he seems like he's, he, he's in a really good place. You know, to stick the landing on a career like that, you know, with everything he's done and walk off under his own power and do it at the right time. I still think he's coming back, but like that's impressive. And um, he's impressive. Hats off to him. Physically, yeah. He's like, I'm not working out. I'm just. I'm like, well, what the fuck are you doing there, bud? What are those traps? Why does my neck and my right shoulder make a right angle? Yeah. And you, you know, guy's built like a V. Yeah, he he looks awesome. So uh, here's JJ Watt. So when I retired, I didn't want to do shit. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to like you know, like right off into the sunset quietly. And now J.J. Watt is getting a bunch of people like me hitting him up being like, yo, will you come on my podcast? Talk to us. Talk to us, please. <laughs> and he did it. He said he's coming on. So we got J.J. Watt on, Fabulous. a guy I played a bunch and certainly respected the hell out of from a distance, loved watching him play. And now he's on the other side with us, Kyle. Yeah, and he's got a great smile. Look at him. He's, I saw him playing some golf this past week. Retirement he's looks good media. on him, he's dude. A, he's an inner sports owner. There's yeah. a lot going on in this What's guy's up, life. JJ? How you doing, man? Oh, I'm great. I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. I got plenty of time. Don't worry. Uh, nothing to do, so we're good. Hell yeah. Well, he just put a, a, a little baby down, I think. Uh, so dad yeah. life is in full swing. Uh, yeah, retirement, dad life coming at you at the same time. How much did how much did dad life and like getting married and having a kid cuz I can remember when I had my first son like everything shifted for me in football it's not like it became less important I was still going to do all the things that I had to do but you knew 
hierarchically, like this was not uh, as meaningful as what just happened. And I wonder how much like starting a family factored into what you're doing now, which is not playing football. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent there. It's, you can still put in the same time and energy and effort, but it's, it's not the singular most important thing in your life anymore. Um, it definitely played a factor. I wouldn't say it was the largest factor, um, but it definitely, definitely played a factor. I wanted him to see me play. So I was, even yeah. though he'll never, ever remember it, I wanted to have those photos. I think it was really cool for me to have him on the field for two games this year. But in terms of actual retirement, it was much more physical and mental uh, than anything else. You know, I mean, you guys know better than anybody how much it takes mentally and physically to prepare every season, especially as you get later and later in your career. Can I still do it? Absolutely. Do I have to work significantly harder to get my body ready every day, every week, every year? Yes. And that's kind of the part that I didn't want to have to do anymore. And that's really hard to imagine for me looking at you and the body of work and, and what you what you were was a, a tremendously gifted and even harder working player. And for you to say that you'd have to work exponentially harder to have that level of success, it just I can't even fathom that because I remember in 2013 and 14 at the Pro Bowl, we're all drinking beers at the pool. You've got your cleats going. We just finished practice. You're going from you're going from the hotel room, and you tell me if I'm wrong, to the field to go get in some drills, to go get in some lifting. That's what separated you as a man and a player. And for you to have that realization, like fuck, I got to work even harder. That must be really difficult. Yeah, and those are some of the things that I look back on, and I really do wonder to myself and have conversations if. Should I have loosened up a little bit more and relaxed a little bit more? And maybe it would have helped me, you know, injury wise, who knows? Um, or the other side of me always says, maybe that is the reason I was what I was at my best and, um, you know, bad luck and things just happen. But trust me, there's, there's certainly times where I'm like, you could have loosened up and had a beer with the guys, man. You don't have to be such a hard ass all the time. Yeah. Did you not, did you feel like you didn't have enough fun? I mean, like, you know, Sometimes I felt like I had too much fun and I could have had less fun, but you're looking at it from the other side of things. Uh, I do think that there are definitely times where I could have loosened up some more, especially in the off season and things. But again, I, I go back cause I do this with the injuries as well. I mean, part of, I, I've said before, you know, part of the thing with the injuries is you put so much weight in the bar, you do so many workouts, you're doing two days, you're trying to be the absolute best you can be. And for a while, that got me to the top of the game. Um, it also probably contributed to my fall from there because of the injuries. But at what point in that trajectory would I have said, okay, now is the time to stop? Because I was on, like, yeah. I was going up and up and up. So if you would have told me in 2015, hey, maybe it's time to slow it down, but I'm on my way to my third defensive player of the year, I'm like, why would I mm. slow it down? It's all working. You know, it's yeah. really hard to, to have that conversation with yourself in the middle of it all. And I'm, I, I do that with my brother right now because he's he's do, crushing it. He's playing incredible football, and I'm trying to tell him, hey, slow it down. And obviously, he had the pec injury this past season, so he got a little glimpse of that. And I'm trying to give him that insight and say, hey, just, just don't make the same mistakes I did. Being healthy is significantly more important than that extra five pounds on your bench press. I don't know if you identify with this, but I remember I was I was a real hard worker. Like you know, I I always did extra. I I, I loved working out. I did it all year, 
Um, I took it seriously, but towards the end of my career, it was like I had to learn to work smarter, and that was something that I was never good at. Like, if you told me, work as hard as you possibly can for three hours, I can do that. The thing that I struggled with was, okay, now you got to go to this specialist, do this little toe workout. You got to pick up marbles with your feet. You got to work on your proprioception. You got to do this prehab. That's when things become taxing for me. And like towards the end of my career, that was what I could no longer do. The things that got me to year six when I was real good, it wasn't getting me there anymore because I started hurting myself training. You know, you start overtraining for your age. I don't know if you identify with a little bit of that, like, man, there's a lot of minutia I got to do now. Oh, that that's part of the reason for the retirement, man, is like you got to do all these little ankle mobilities and these band drills before you go out just to warm up. And you have to do all these things yeah. in the off season to make sure your hips are firing properly. And yeah, it was just so many additional little exercises. And I was like, I, I'm sick of it. Like, I don't want to do I don't want to do this yeah. anymore additionally. And it's funny because that's part of the conversations I have with myself now when I'm doing my workouts, I'm retired. So I'm like, OK. I don't need to do all the extra, you know, rotator cuff work, but should I be like, I don't, I'm trying to figure out like what, I think, what I think you should, dude. I think you should. Cause we play softball now, like yeah. just like men's league softball and I'm not drinking beer. I'm not like out there, like pulling a muscle cause I'm dehydrated. I literally went down to get a ground ball in the second to last game and pulled my hamstring. I remember like, that. Re- wait, like Rob Ninkovich uh, explained this to me. Like my first year out in retirement, he was like, how you doing with it? I go, I'm, I'm having the best year of my life. And he's like, just wait till year three and four <laughs> when nobody gives a fuck about you and your body starts falling apart and it gets boring. So like, yeah, I do think the prehab is important in retirement because I get hurt doing little shit now. I'm 38 years old. Um, but imagine, but important- so imagine that though, but you're doing prehab and everything for an NFL career where you're getting paid millions of dollars and I'm sick of it mm. then. Now I'm yeah. going to do prehab for nothing. Yeah. With no incentive. For no, yeah. no yeah, incentive. Nothing, you like, really so learn like bitch. how hard a worker you are in fucking in retirement because you're just yeah. like I'm such I'm such a legacy sack of shit, JJ. And the only thing to. that keeps me mobile and strong at this point is my 14 and a half month old that I got to get down and get yeah. low, sink my hips. You know, and when the I go best to genetics in Albemarle County. Um, so the kid, the kid thing has yeah. really uh, sparked a, a new version of myself, which I like. What have you enjoyed? from being a dad and which avenues have opened up in in your personality. I agree with you. I think my flexibility has massively increased with my son because you have to get into these squat positions. You have to be able to lift. Mm. I mean, he's like 25 pounds. You got to be able to lift positions. I've never lifted. Like it's, that's definitely improved. Um, But other than that, man, it is, it is just knowing like a love and a feeling that you've never known before. And also at the very same time, knowing like an exhaustion and the just like getting to the very end of your wits that you never knew before, but mm. all in this mix of just incredible joy and happiness and watching him learn and experience the world. And like, he just, he just learned how to stand up and watching him stand oh, up yeah. and like, see him figure it out and like, see him wobble and fall and then see him try again uh-huh. and wobble and stand. Like it's the greatest, uh-huh. coolest thing in the world and realizing that you get to help educate him on how the world works and what like what grass is like just watching him just feel grass it's the coolest thing mm-hmm. ever and the other side of we want to educate help, you on what educate. grass is yeah because i heard jj say <laughs> we'll we get go. to this but yeah he said, here we go this is when the podcast starts oh yeah grass. no but yeah. oh yeah grass kyle stop playing dumb you drug addict <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean by that uh so so 
when you said earlier that you know like i didn't know if i wanted to you know my kid to see me play football and that sort of thing like i intentionally because i you know my dad played 13 years and i was born in the in the middle of his career he said this to me i'm you i missed out on certain things being a dad with you chris because i could not come home and and get the football off me you know like when you come home you played on a lot of teams where things were tough, you know, losses, injuries, playing hurt. Um, it's hard to come home and switch that off. So I do think like what you're doing is there's no right way to do it, but I think there's a really good angle to that. And it's also cool. Like Waylon came home one day for school. He's seven years old. And he's like, dad, were you a, a, a famous football player? <laughs> and I'm like, well, not quite famous, but like, yeah, I played. Like it's fun yeah. to see him kind of learn about it. Yeah. Um, that way, you know, so I do think it's going to be fun to see your kids grow up, at, you know, as they do over the years and, and realize how great you were, you know, like yeah. it, after the fact, that's kind of a cool thing. I'm curious, like, have you, like, have you used that at all? Like, I, I was joking the other day, but they were like, your son's not going to really have ever seen you play that he remembers. And I was like, yeah, but that first time that he pops off and tries to talk back to me, I'm going to just show him a YouTube clip of me making a sack with my yeah, helmet put off. The tape like, on. Yeah. Like, put yeah. the tape on. I'll, I'll beat yeah, your ass. Throw that yeah, tape up. That was the same throw effect the that our dad had on us when, when we didn't – I was not born in the middle of dad's career. So yeah. my first understanding of dad was like YouTube as a youngster. I would watch old footage and I'd be yeah. like, well, fuck, I'm not messing with this guy. Yeah, I got the flat top walking right in the door. So that will <laughs> happen. <laughs> after individual like all ornery and shit, but – um yeah was the afib was the afib thing like i know you play with a lot of injuries and our yeah. boy bo allen who uh who had to fill your yeah. shoes at, at wisconsin now he podcasts yeah. with us some Good he man. had afib and i remember how terrifying it was for him and like your whole ordeal i remember how like emotional that was for you was that was that as much of a catalyst as as the injuries in a way to think about like you're not Superman, dude. Like, you know, this shit is dangerous and there's also other risks involved. Yeah. I knew I was retiring before that point, but it certainly really? didn't, didn't slow the retirement process down at all. I mean, it was okay. AFib and I mean, I'm sure you're talking to Bo or anybody, a lot of, it's yeah. crazy to me how many people have had it now that I've obviously learned about it. But when you don't know anything about it and it happens to you and they're explaining it to you, it is extremely scary and it is extremely mm -hmm. emotional it's you just i didn't know a single thing about it and they were explaining to me that we're gonna have to stop your heart and restart it and like you hear that and you're like so i'm dying uh, mm -hmm. and then and then they explain it they explain how common it is they explain how easy it is to you know move it forward and what happens if it happens again etc and, and you calm down a yeah. bit um but for that 48 hours it was it was terrifying and i've said it before but it's we were literally looking at ultrasounds of my son and being so happy and crying and excited. And then a couple of days later, we were looking at an ultrasound of my heart and they were showing me why I was beating wrong and why they were going to have to shock me to start it again. Mm. And it just, I wasn't ready for all that in the middle of a season. And it was, it was, it was emotional. And then they shocked it back into place and they're like, okay, you can go practice tomorrow if you want. And Jeez, go get him! Just went back right. to practice. It was crazy. It was just a when I was like, that all right, first jog sure? out. It's probably easier than a dislocated pinky, yeah. honestly. Dude, like I, I wouldn't want to practice for pulse. a week or two. 
Oh, if you like, if you watched my that game against the Panthers, like I checked my pulse probably six hundred times during the game, just because <laughs> like did. it's the scariest thing ever, and I I knew exactly what it felt like. So when I check my pulse, I can tell if it's in or out. And the whole game, it was just in between plays, checking pulse, like it was crazy. And so, nobody knows their body better than you. I mean, yeah. so you would be like, "Am I in the red?" We're right hyper now? aware of our body. Yeah, am I in the red? Like, am I okay? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I had a coach. A coach is the one who actually, like, I'm same way. I'm hyper aware of my body. I'm also very confident and also very like, you know, I can tough through anything. So the day that it happened, uh, I, I started to feel it in a team meeting, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm feeling a little like lightheaded, a little weird," but I didn't think anything of it. And my chest is a little fluttery, so I stood up to leave the team meeting and walk out, and I kind of like stumbled and I grabbed the I grabbed the railing. And our assistant D-line coach, Rusty, looked at me. He's like, hey, man, are you all right? And I was like, I don't know, man. I just got a little lightheaded. And so I went to the D-line meeting, sat through the meeting, stood up after that meeting and was a little lightheaded. And he was like, you should probably go get that looked at. So I went in our training room and had our trainer look at my EKG or look at my pulse. He looked at it and he's like, yeah, you should go see a doctor. And he sent me mm. to the, the team doctor. The doctor said, yeah, you need to go to a cardiologist. I went to a cardiologist. Cardiologist said, yeah, you need to go to an electrophysician. So I went through five doctors in, in about two hours, all thanks to the design coach saying, just saying like, hey, you might want to get that looked at. Because if I didn't, I probably oh, wouldn't. Thank God for I probably would have tried that. to tough it out. Yeah, exactly. And I still don't um, know what would have happened. They were like, you could try to play. Uh, you just would be really tired. But apparently it's safe. Uh, I don't know. It's It's crazy, man. And you feel good now. Some coaches like you at seventy yeah. percent is better than them at a hundred percent. Yeah, we can. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But of course, yeah, two hundred beats per <laughs> minute, we a, could get we could get a hat trick. Yeah, yeah. I have a uh, like my watch has an EKG thing on it, so I can I can do an EKG on my on my wrist at any time just to make sure. What do you use? What do you use on your wrist for? Is it like a? It's, it's an Apple or? Watch. My my Apple I got watch. my okay. Apple sent me one, and my brother. Uh, it was really cool, actually. The day after it all happened, my brother, like he and his wife, knew that uh, Apple had this feature where you could do an EKG on your wrist for people with AFib. So uh, Derek and his wife sent me an Apple Watch, and it'll right. tell you if you're an AFib at any time. Sounds like something you would do for me, maybe. <laughs> yeah, potentially. Uh, hey, JJ, uh, the question I think everybody, when you first retired, I was number one mission accomplished playing at a high level like that that was the first thing that resonated with me like as a player trying to trying to say hey this is when i'm going to go out planning it. it's a really hard thing it's like kind of like planning your funeral or something like mm. how do you do this right. um you fucking you played great like when you were healthy in arizona you were still i was always blown away by how you could still rush the edge you know like you've right. always been really good at the top of the rush your ankle flexion I'm jealous, the the length, I'm jealous. And it just, like, you continued to play well, but you nailed it. You you went out on top, you listened to your body. Um, we had Colt McCoy on. Colt spilled the beans on your letters. Uh, <laughs> tell me about the letter process, uh, you know, you writing to yourself so that you remembered, like, kind of a time capsule of how you felt. Yeah, I, di I didn't want to... Uh... I know how everybody feels. Once once the season rolls around, everybody wants to play football again. Like you, you, you see the games right. on TV, you start watching. You're like, I can I can do this. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, I had a little bit of it at 
uh, free agency time. You know, when you start to mm-hmm. see some of the contracts rolling in, you're like, are you kidding yeah. me? Like, are you kidding Guards me? are getting me what? Too. I've been on the couch for four <laughs> years, and I'm like, yeah. damn, this guy had four sacks last year. You get 10 mil? God, I mean, I'm not being a hater, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I knew that was going to come around. So, so like in the off season, even I, I started doing that and, and writing things down to remind myself, like, hey, this is what you felt like in the middle of June when you're training and you had you just had a squat workout followed by a sprint workout and your knees feel like shit. Uh, you're not mm-hmm. going to want to do this again. And then I did it in training camp when I'm sitting in a hotel lobby waiting to go into a special teams meeting so that i can watch field goal block uh, nothing uh, against field goal block but 12 years in i got it okay if there's I anybody who doesn't steps. need coaching on field goal block it's you jj <laughs> oh, just skip the saying, fucking meeting bro go get ankle it's, it's work unbelievable. take three steps and put your hands up got it <laughs> yeah, jump I got jump it. yeah <laughs> uh-huh. so uh i wrote that down and then you get into the season and you know we had a rough season obviously and you know you go like yeah whatever it was one and four or something. And you're like, I just got the shit beat out of me for 60 minutes straight. We're one and four morale is low. Remember this, this is the Monday that you don't want to go through again. And so I just wrote a lot of stuff like that down, but I also captured a ton. Uh, it actually helped. I, I, I'm, I like the people that produce hard knocks. They're incredible people. They really are great. I do not like having hard knocks around for a team. Like I just don't. Um, but for this, it was really cool to have them because now I have my entire final season basically captured and they caught the retirement. They got my moments with Koa with my wife. So I was very grateful for that. And that was really special. And they gave me all the raw footage. And now I have that for the rest of my life. I want to show Koa what that was like. That's that's something I wish that like, you know, I'm, I'm not like, I'm no JJ Watt. I'm no Chris Long, but I wish I could go back and call the video guys and be like, can I have this? You know, I want this game on, I want them all on DVD. Yeah, you, know you what can I mean? get them. You can get them, Kyle. Yeah, you can. You can They'll do it. It takes them a little bit, but they definitely do it. Yeah, I'm going to be like, there was this one day we were doing Inside Run, and me and Akeem Hicks <laughs> were killing each other. Yeah, I, I want that, that to show um, my kids. I want to see that. I want to <laughs> show my kids that, actually. Um, so are you really done, man? Because I know you're going to say, yeah, I'm done. Okay, but like yeah. maybe blink twice or something because <laughs> you still were so damn good. I feel like, you know, if anybody deserves uh, a year with a winner, it's you. Um, I know how this goes. I almost came back the next year, and I wasn't you. You know, like I was in Jim Schwartz's office for two hours, ready to sign. I left. I said, fuck this shit. It Kind of like your letters. I was like, I forgot what a meeting with Jim Schwartz feels like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I went home, but like the itch is going to be there, man. What happens when somebody calls you next fall and you haven't officially done your, your papers, you haven't done a press conference. I'm on to you. But I like, you know, this better than anybody, both you guys, I am not training to play NFL football. So like you can call all you want, but I'm going to show up and uh, you, you want me to play what I, I, I haven't, I'm doing I'm doing vanity workouts right now. I'm doing yeah, workouts to try like, and look good when I go to the beach. Like Travis Kelsey stuff. You could be out there doing Kelsey work. Kelsey you're, you're not work fit, you're not yeah. fit to take on like run yeah, gaps. I'm not going to go bull rush Trent Williams right now. Like I'm not uh, doing that. Like yeah. like that's no. I'm, so yeah, people. Can but if call there was a guy who could, straight. it would be you. It would be you. If they, you'd be the yeah, guy yeah, that could uh, do it. If they want to throw out twenty million for one game, I'll show up. No problem. I'll suit it up for one game. Twenty million. We'll help with There's the finder's the fee on that. Um, <laughs> another another perk of retirement, um, and you touched on this. Not us. 
is you want to try weed one day. Mm, drugs. Okay, so this is the part of the podcast where you can ask us anything about the plant. Uh, what are you What are you concerned about? What are you worried about? How do you How will you prefer to smoke weed? Will it be? I heard there might be a party. Will we be invited to this party? <laughs> uh, it's, it's been, I'll work the it's door. Discussed. Well, I I'd love to just hear all all of that from you guys. I'm fascinated by it. I mean, obviously, I've well, got plenty of friends and never teammates. No, no teammates have never done it. But no, uh, I'm just never fascinated to hear. Myself, yeah. You want to get a yeah. clean experience if you've never done it before. You want to have the taste in its pure form. When I would say you probably want to go with a water pipe, like a bong, uh, for lack of a better term, because you can really taste the the different strains. The water will filter it. Um, and if you get something with that makes a lot of bubbles, it'll be a nice, clean, smooth hit. Don't start with a blunt. Don't start that with a seems joint. Like no, the man. most difficult way to start. That seems yeah, exactly. like you're like uh, asking you're me to go to, like you, you, you're a Wisconsin car. guy. You jump into ice ice lakes and you know drill holes in in the ice. Like just Fucking jump in, baby. That. The water's not that cold. Yeah, right? Just cut the tree down. No, I I um I would I I think don't listen to Kyle. Uh, not the first time I've said this, but <laughs> you know JJ, if you if you first off, I don't want JJ Watt walking around like a tweaker with all this paraphernalia. JJ Pot. Uh, yeah, they'll call you JJ Pot. They called me Chris <laughs> they called me Chris Bong. Uh, <laughs> and there were all these there were all these memes of me with all my, you know, stoner eyes and a big bong like I say the first thing you need to do is grab an edible. That works too. 10 milligrams, okay? Don't go heavy. Just an edible. Just it's a the, taste. It's the purest best buzz there is. It feels like if you got hurt and they gave you a painkiller but you're actually having fun and you're not you, you know destroying your body you're not destroying your body yeah. uh it's social it's a body buzz uh go play golf go out on the golf course yeah, it's great to watch a movie it's great to be outside i would sativa indica what are we talking like I, i've been daytime I, I know sativa. the terminology no, 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 no. again you're gonna give him a sativa and he's gonna get all paranoid well i'm just saying it hits then, everybody different jj but like for for in large part sativa is like the sun's out guns out weed yeah. and then the indica is your nighttime you know so what give I'm him saying? a hybrid that's indica leaning yeah there you go you hybrid. know you know what you said about having to like relax and and yeah. you know like you know you wish you to like chill it out a little bit if you work this into your rotation you will fucking relax man you will you'll be a relaxed guy I'm telling you, there's something how, to how this. How often, like, how often you guys do? Obviously, parents and everything. I mean, I I have no experience. Yeah, yeah what? How does this work? Post seven p.m. Probably after the baby. Yeah, goes you down. try to you try to make rules for yourself, like after dinner, that sort of thing. I'm a nightly because I gotta have it for sleep. Like when I was in the league, I don't know if you guys used to get like scripts for Lunesta or Ambien, real easy. But you know, I I used to be on the the sleeping pills, the whole thing, and then. About halfway through my career, we had access to good weed, and uh, we'd go out to Seattle for a game or something like mm. that, and I'd take home a care package, and uh, it changed the whole thing. Like it was, it was a performance enhancer for me in a way. I, mean, I could see how it would definitely do that. How, do, like, I, I guess this is this. I'm going to sound like an idiot. This is going to go. no. You're not. No, there are no dumb questions. Safe space. No, like, like I know, I know a little bit about it, obviously, because I, I also don't want to get anybody else. But I guess the rules have changed. But like, so you just stop for a month before. The, yeah, you you stop for a month. Oh, linemen stop for two months see, because of our. But our did you fat notice content. he's asking this question because yeah. he's thinking about these next are smart year. questions he's for, thinking, for your next he move of twenty million dollars one year. No, I just you just said you just said you brought it back on a team flight. So I'm like, well, how does that work? Like, well, sure how that works? 
Yeah. How There's that? a once, it's called the annual SOA test, which yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the testing begins on 420. April 20th is when the window yeah. begins. And the end of the testing window is the end of training camp. So you know that if you stop late spring, the latest you're going to start again is the end of camp. Yes. So you basically stop for a month. Some guys will be stupid. They'll push it. But they just raise the threshold that it that you need to actually pop for a test. So guys now could probably smoke, you know, even closer. Some to of these DBs are probably a, a week. But, getting but this you know stuff what? We'll just system. we'll see you at the party, JJ. I mean, like you know, it sounds like a good time. We'll I'm bring some, some goodies. Yeah. Uh, we'll let you. We'll let you go. I'll down be five hundred pounds if I smoked, man. That's probably one of the main reasons I know. I would eat so much. No, nah, the first rule of Fight Club is this: is don't get high downstairs in the kitchen. If you have two floors <laughs> in your house, yeah, you won't like after downstairs. nine p.m. If you're gonna smoke. Like go upstairs to the balcony. Like go where you're gonna feel too lazy to walk. I've down been the using fridge. the Dixie cup as like I pour the pretzels into the Dixie cup and then that's, that's all fun. I have. As opposed to just bringing the bag that's and good. my wife's like, "Where the fuck did the pretzels <laughs> that's go?" Good. Um, okay, that's so so enough on weed. I I um I know that you were a commence, commencement spe- speaker at Wisconsin. We just had uh, Anders home on the show uh, from Workaholics. Do you like that show? Have you seen that show? I have not seen it. I know that. Oh, yeah, well, he, he, I know it's a badger. It's a badger. Yeah. He's a badger. Big badger. Yeah, he's a badger. Yeah. You did the commencement yeah. speech. Russell's done the commencement speech. Uh, how was that? And are you going to get your degree? Because I did mine at Virginia, and I don't have my degree, and I felt like a fucking, I felt like an outsider in that room full of very smart people. How was it? And are you going back to class? Oh, I'm not going back to class. Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, it was great experience. It was a great experience. The only, so I've, I've done a few down in Texas. I have two doctorates, two honorary doctorates. Ooh, I just, mm. I say honorary very fast. I have two doctorates. Yeah. Uh, and they gave me those for speaking at graduations, which was great. And I came back to Wisconsin and did the commencement and received nothing. So I was a little, uh, I didn't get anything either uh, about that. <laughs> That's bullshit. But, dude. Um, but it was a great experience. I mean, I, I, I say this a lot. I, I grew up in Wisconsin. I, I grew up playing hockey and they had this thing when I was a kid where the Badgers would come to local arenas and you could skate with the hockey team. So I'd be like yeah. five, six years old skating with the Badgers. And it was a cool thing. I have a picture of it up on my wall with the autographs from the players. And so for me to go from that, to giving the commencement speech in Camp Randall Stadium, like it's just literally blew my mind when I did it. It was the coolest, craziest thing ever for me. Um, but a funny story from that was I was talking to the university and I really wanted to do something special and cool. I, there's commencement speeches all the time. There's some great ones. There's some terrible ones. But for the most part, nobody really remembers their commencement speech. So I was trying to find a way to make mine memorable. And I was talking to the university and I was like, this is what I want to do. Spotted cow is the best beer in Wisconsin. It's incredible. Mm, I want to put beer. a spotted cow under every single seat in the stadium. I'll pay for it all. I'll pay for the labor oh, to put it under cool. the seats. But at the end of my commencement speech, I'm going to say, and now to congratulate you, just reach under your seat and have a cold one on me. Um, Damn, and they were like, and they were like, yeah, we, we can't do that legally. <laughs> we cannot. <laughs> I thought you'd <laughs> So I tried. That. That's I a great trying, idea, like, though. Oh, so then I tried. I was like, well, what if I tape underneath there a gift certificate for one beer down at the terrace, which is like where everybody would go after graduation. I was like, uh, I'll give them one spotted cow at the terrace. And they're like, we just can't associate 
alcohol with our graduation. So it ruined oh, my man, idea, dude. but I thought that would have been such a badass idea. I thought that was like an alcoholic school. Yeah, you guys party well. Yeah, you guys are good no, partiers we, in we, Wisconsin. Yeah, they put up that like nationwide graphic where it's like the most bars per capita and like it's like darker blue is more bars and lighter blue is ours is like black. It's just pitch. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a great idea, man. I wish they I wish they did that. Um you know, I the thing that struck me about you know, you in the news lately hasn't been as much the retirement. You talked about hockey just a second ago. It's the soccer. You got the you got the hat on. I've been footy. rocking the kits. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you why I've been rocking the kits. You know, if you retire, you might develop. You know, if you if you keep doing vanity work, you might you might find yourself with some man boobs. You never know. Like you know, like <laughs> middle aged white guy. You never know. And these kits are great. They keep everything in. They're they comfortable. Do. They're cool. Chest compartment. They're sweat wicking. They also make pe- they're good conversation people pieces people unless somebody's yeah. like hey what team is that then bo sticks to them though bo does stick to them a little bit like um, a practice jersey do you have a favorite kit in soccer i know you're like a chelsea fan uh or were and now you're an Was. owner of uh yeah 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 so do you have a favorite kit not including the team that you own okay not including the team that i own um that sounds cool to say a, when you said it there's a <laughs> there's a <laughs> team down in uh latin america and i gosh i wish i had it but they i believe it's called madero or madero and they had this kit that was it was all white with like gold it was the globe but it was it was uh, this is a stupid segment i'm I'm just i'm just trying to describe a soccer kit um yeah but it's okay you're an owner my wife's is a great one in in chicago they have uh I, yeah. I think they have one of the coolest color schemes. The Chicago flag is an incredible flag. I didn't even know cities had flags. It's really the Chicago's yes. city flag is incredible. And the women's team, the Chicago Red Stars, basically made their entire identity around the Chicago flag. So it's a really cool kit with the Chicago flag mixed in with the light blue and the red. I love that. Cash App, the easy way to send, spend, save, and invest with friends. Cash App helps you connect effortlessly with your finances and with your people, and that's money. I love going on a float with my buddies, and we all share our cash tags and split the bill. That is what friends are for. Cash App provides us with an easy way to send and spend money, save and invest in stock and Bitcoin. Cash App, however, does not provide a dry pair of pants. You want to remember that when you get off the river. Try the number one finance app in the App Store. Whether sending, spending, saving, investing, splitting, tipping, donating, or gifting, that's money, and that's Cash App. Download Cash App from the App Store or Google Play Store today to create your own cash tag. Good news. The Thursday show we do with AMP will continue 4.30 every Thursday. The Greenlight Team, Cowboy Reed, Fax, Kingston, uh, I'll pop through there sometimes. On AMP, you can interact with us really easily. There's a call-in button. We invite call-ins all the time. You can talk directly to us, ask us questions, ask us our favorite music. We might even play some. There's also a live chat during the show. If you have a question about a topic we're talking about, fired off in the chat, we'll answer. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing what we've been doing all fall, uh, every Thursday at 4:30 on AMP. Uh, check us out. Okay, so what's it like owning a team? Like, how did that come about? I know, obviously, your wife plays soccer. She's a great player. You guys are sporty. Um, you're a Chelsea fan. But I love seeing you over there 
like living the experience. What was that like and how did it come about for you? Yeah, it's been going on for a few years now. Um, I've been interested in the Premier League since 2011. Um, But I, the last three or so years, I've known obviously my retirement was coming at some point and I'm very interested in it. And I wanted to be a minority owner in some capacity. I've looked in America, I've looked at the NWSL, the MLS, I've looked over in Europe in different leagues and the Premier League. Um, And it was always about finding the right opportunity where you could actually do something, where you could actually get involved, where you could actually help make a difference, not just, you know, be that 0.00001% and not even get a ticket to a game. Um, So everything kind of lined up where once somebody introduced me to Burnley, we we went down the line of doing due diligence and every box started to get checked and checked and checked. And I just, I fell in love with the place. It's a really small town. It's been through some tough times and adversity, but they love their club. They love their team. And, uh, it's, I've been over there a few times. I just booked our trip for the first two games of this upcoming Premier League season. And oh, we, yeah. we're all in, man. We love it. Is there like a NFL comp for this franchise? Cause I know they got great history, that sort of thing the ups and downs, but a, a rabid fan base. Yeah, I would say, I mean, in terms of like the city and, and the fans and the vibe of it, I would say it's like a, like a Buffalo, a Cleveland, a Green Bay, where it's mm-hmm. like a really wow. small up northern, northern town where you're going to have some rougher weather. You're going to have, it's not the richest place. You're, you know, you're not going to catch too many people vacationing there, yeah. but they, they love their team, man. They just love their team. And they haven't had the success of like a Green Bay Packers per se. Um, mm-hmm. But they're they're If you're looking for like an underdog to support and a team that's going to, our, our first game of this upcoming season is against Man City, the richest yeah. best team in the world at the moment. Yeah. And we are newly promoted and it's going to be, a, we're going to have to give every single thing that we've got um, to play a great game. But it's, it's, there's no doubt there's a David and Goliath feature there. I feel like relegation would keep uh you know, what happened in Houston or almost happened in Houston. Thanks to Lovey Smith. It didn't happen. Uh, I think relegation in the NFL would take care of a lot of that tanking sort of thing. Can you imagine it? I mean, that's, that's the most exciting thing. That's why I love the Premier League. That's why everybody is so addicted to it because there is a real and true consequence to losing and winning, which is, that's what Mm -hmm. sport is built on. And we've kind of taken it away a little bit in over here which is why the valuations are the way they are in America. But imagine if the bottom three teams in the NFL just got dropped down in the top three oh, college teams got brought up or something. It'd be insane. We'd really get to find out if Alabama could be. There were uh, points in our careers forward. where we'd all be playing D. Oh, I would have been playing D. We would all be in the, we'd be battling it out. I would have been there in the fucking D2 I would have been last game just going against each other. Yeah, yeah. Last Um, game of the season. Do you guys want to be playing third and eighteen again? Do you want to be playing at Missouri State? What do you Uh want? Yeah, yep. Uh, Kind of Missouri State, unless we're going to sign a bunch of new guys. If we're going down to Tuscaloosa, Uh looks like a fun time. Uh, What's it when you go over there? Are there do's and don'ts like code breaks for like uh, fans, uh, soccer fans? Like what? How do you come across cool there? And how do you come across like a fucking noob? A hundred percent there are. A hundred percent. It's all about respecting and honoring their tradition. They're very, very proud of the history. Um, our, our club was founded in 1882. So, I mean, that is an insane yeah. 140 years of history. So, yeah. if you say soccer, that's a no-no. Uh, yeah. If you say 
I'm sorry. Uh, so they, they, they pronounce it Premier League. If you say Premier League, Premier. Premier. that's a no-no. The Premiership. Yeah. The Premiership. Premier, mm-hmm. the Premier League. Um, mm-hmm. If you, you know, there's, it's just kind of the way you talk about the game. And if you have a knowledge base and if you're able to speak knowledgeably about it, and especially about them personally, Burnley's a town where it's really cool. They, they are proud of their town and they just want you to have a good time. Every single person I come in contact with in Burnley, they say, are you enjoying your time here? Are you enjoying mm-hmm. Burnley? Are you finding us nice? Like they just mm-hmm. want to make sure that you feel welcome and loved. Sounds and like the Midwest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Really. Like what can I get you? If you, you know, if your tire I, blows, they're going to help you fix it. Can you help me? You betcha. It's not like Manchester. Manchester's like the New York City or something or some big city. Manchester wants nothing to do. Like I feel like they can sniff out stolen valor and fans too. Like if I were to just get a jersey and and a kit and show up to a football match, they'd be like, "You're a fraud." We'll get you guys some Burnley kits. We'll get you guys. Yeah, I love. Yeah, oh yeah, awesome collection. Don't worry. I'm gonna yeah because I'm only podcasting. I'll label it so you know which team it is while you're wearing it, so you can. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Because this thing here, it's like, yeah, I play for DHL. (laughs) I'm so excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. You all know I spend a good bit of time on the river and in the woods, and I need something that protects the eyeballs but gives me a clean, fresh look. Oakley's are changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train? Just want to look like your favorite athlete, like, uh, I don't know, Lamar Jackson, Debo Samuel, uh, Justin Jefferson? then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self, there's more than meets the eye. Here on the show, we're all about looking good and playing good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. We don't leave our house in the morning without our Oakleys. And since it's officially almost summer, you need to upgrade your sunglasses game now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. I rock the Sutro TIs because they have a solid style that fits my work-play way of life. They look great when I'm in the field at softball and I'm on the river enjoying a float, but they also come in clutch whenever I need to look professional. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me, try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com, O-A-K-L-E-Y, for more information today. Moving on to football, man. The first question that is a burning question for me, especially with the backdrop of me and Kyle and us doing this podcast and us playing the NFL is, out of you and your two brothers, when you go home, who's the favorite? Who who gets the favoritism in your family? Where do you rank <laughs> among the Watt brothers That's when it comes to mom and dad? Yeah. So Derek had a dog before any of us and he had two kids before any of us so mm-hmm. he kind of like jumped out and got that so my parents obviously <laughs> spend a lot of time with his his boys so i think that he probably wins it there um tj has that youngest brother like got into some mischief and like he's kind of like but he's also the sweet youngest brother who gets you know the all the breaks like if if he's the youngest brother that's just kind of the way mm-hmm. that it goes 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I probably get some favoritism because I'm the oldest. But I would say if it's really tough. I mean, Derek with the two kids is really tough. I, I'm trying to catch up. I got one now, and mm-hmm. Cole is very cute. So we're we're trying, but I think move I to close Derek. to them. That's the key. Move close to them. Me and Kyle had this contest to see who could live closer to my parents. No, and I'm you know you're like five minutes further. Yeah, we live like ten minutes from my parents, so it's great. Oh, you know, we get the grandparent, the grandparents. Now that I say no to them hanging out with my kid every day, you know, it's like every day. How often are they babysitting? They don't baby. We don't do the babysitting thing. We do the babysitting thing. Yeah, our kid's not old enough for us to be like take our. We did the the babysitting thing right away. I think we were at like Bonnaroo and we were like, "Here, we'll be back in four days." Uh, The baby's gonna poop into this diaper, and you know, sometimes the baby cries. Like it was a young baby. Yeah, you know that's wild. You guys are wild. But to answer the question, it's Kyle on our on our side jj and no. we were just talking about this offline everybody in the studio agrees with this except for kyle it's a and you know what it's it's complicated it's it's complicated if it's complicated it's true okay maybe i am the favorite but <laughs> but dad but dad in particular and i and as it pertains to jj dad and i's relationship changed a lot when i played because he knew d lineman so well um, and he could watch film of guys and know who they are, not only on the field but off the field. He knows how they behave. And you've spent time with my dad. He's a bright yeah. guy, and, and he know he knows oh, yeah. ball as, as good as any of us. He's also compared um, a little bit in like the way that he could rush inside. And when I had edge. to when I had to play guard, yeah. and JJ was out at end, it wasn't like I was preparing for my three technique the whole game. I had to prepare for him to reduce. I had to pre- prepare for the spinner looks with you and Merciless walking around pre snap. Clowny, offensive fucking, What's Clowny doing in the deep? When third? I got in the when I got in the the league, I want you to know that you were the most hated guy in every offensive room. Everybody hated JJ. <laughs> J.J. Watt. And as I got older, I realized that they hate us because they ain't us is a real thing. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) wanted to be able to block you, everybody be able to to beat you, but you always made guys look silly, whether it was winning at the top of a rush with a sack or winning um, after a failed bull with your hands up and you swat the ball, pick it, pick six. Like very frustrating that it's. I want you to know that the hatred that you experienced from O lineman was actually our form of respect. And, and dad's dad's role in this to go full circle. Um, he was the only one that could really go inside the mind of a JJ Watt before before mm-hmm. he could put me it, it, into what you were thinking before the games happened. He'd be like, "You're gonna see this yeah. based on what you guys have put on film. Expect this." So you know was he saying? harder on you, or was he harder on Chris? He was harder on me. He, could... he was harder on Chris because he played the position, but I think he was born, just informative for I me. I do think the firstborn wears the kid, the parents out to the point that, like, by the time middle child comes along. Like, he's got it easy. And also, him and my dad are, like, the same person. Me and my dad are different enough to where, you know, like, he's not going to always identify with me. Kyle and him, it's like looking in a fucking mirror. Which can be tough sometimes to but, hang But out. this is the question I had about JJ, and, like, you, you talked about preparing for JJ. What was your job in the Houston defense? Because yeah. I used to watch you and be like, I want to play in that. I want to be JJ Watt. This guy... He's up and down the line. It looks like he, you know, if he wants to go to the A, he's go to the A. If he wants to go to the B, like how much freedom did you have? Because that made things really difficult, I think, for other people trying to prep for you. Well, I can tell you the play, the place you want to play is in a Wade Phillips defense then because mm-hmm. Wade Phillips is the best. I mean, you just look at the players that he's coached over his career um, and what he's been able to do. And, I mean, you look at Aaron Donald, obviously played in his defense for a few years there as well, and he did a very, very similar thing. I mean, we both played that four technique in base, and then we would either play a three or five. We'd go basically anywhere on third down. 
Um, and I think that's what Wade is really, really good at. He, he plays a lot of man coverage. Uh, he has a lot of guys tightened up behind you so that you get that extra quarter second, Beautiful. that extra half second. Um, but he also lets you roam free up front, and he'll send five a lot of times so that you do catch more one-on-ones than you normally would. Uh, and he's just he's, – he lets you play. And after you prove to him that you're capable of doing it, then he gives you the freedom and he'll, he'll put you over the right guys. He'll get you in the right situations to try and create those one-on-one matchups. And uh, I don't think that myself, AD or anybody who's ever played for Wade would, would say we did it by ourselves. We did it because we had a great coach that also put us in great position. When you were stunting and, you know, like from a four eye and you had to either cross face or, or uh, pop back into the B, right. you know, I feel like you got a lot of mileage out of, not just winning your one-on-ones, but also you were good at pressures and that sort of thing, which is a whole other skill. What was your thought process? Say, you know, there's a there's an edge rusher coming off the left side. You're in a four-eye, and, and you're coming down on that guard. Uh, you know, like you made the swim move look easy. That's usually the first thing they tell guys don't do in the NFL because you're going to get – they're going to hit you with the clear. Yeah. You know, you're going to get hit in the yeah, chest. Right in the chest, like, yeah. Yeah, like t- talk me through your your thought process – as you're bearing down on a guard and just the, the matchup, um, you know, advantages that you have. So my thought process is always to put them in an extremely uncomfortable position. If you watch an offensive lineman practice every single day, they work on their kick steps every single day. They work on that shuffle, shuffle, punch, shuffle, shuffle, punch. They get into a rhythm. They get into this flow that they know they're extremely comfortable doing this movement every time repetitive on their second step. They love the punch. I want to get them out of that rhythm. How can I possibly get you to either have to shorten your shuffle, elongate your shuffle, hold your punch, punch earlier than you want to? I want to yeah. do something where you haven't practiced it as much as you practiced everything else. So I loved, I loved the uh, let's like the stutter bull, uh, and then I would turn it into other oh, things. Yeah. I would do a stutter, stutter swim, stutter bull, stutter uh, underneath bull swipe. Be, bull yeah, jerk. because you all you do if you I would pop directly up out of my stance and just yep. shimmy in place every coach <laughs> on the planet will tell you that is the number one Don't thing do that do not do but it makes us never pop just, up. yes so you have to stop because if you keep kicking back now i've got three yards of space yes you got inside inside yeah yeah so i pop up you pop up now we're both standing at the line looking at yes. each other and i know no offense <laughs> most guys i'm more athletic than so yeah, I, now i can do whatever i want and you're standing straight up. So if I go straight through you, it's much easier to knock you backwards when you're standing up like I'm standing up than it is for you to try and block me because your weight's knocked yeah. down. Yeah. So that's I loved that position. When I could get you to stand up and we're just staring at each other, then I'm like, all right, this is over. And you can just choose. Now you can choose. Do I bull rush you? And even if I go for the bull and I can tell you're ready for it, then you just swim over the top. There's so many different aspects you can do on it. But I, I just – you had to have the athletic ability to – stand straight up at the line of scrimmage and and what kind of guard body gave you the most problems like if you ever had a problem like a a player or a prototype huge Huge guards like the big the big big dudes uh the two guys for the uh saints back in the day uh oh jari evans Uh, Evans dude those guys were tough because like even if they stand up, man, you ain't moving them. Like you are not Mm -hmm. moving them no matter what. So they just took up so much physical space that it limited what you were able to do because the splits are smaller than between the next guy. And it's just like literally physical space was limited and that made it really hard. 
It's important that you mention those two guards because when you look at the successful offenses historically, there were offenses that were built from the inside out. People often talk about the blind side and the strength of the tackles, but if there's two elite guards playing, JJ, you can speak to this. It's going to be tough sledding for the D linemen. Yeah, and they don't need help. Yeah, no, it's really tough because they can they can do it by themselves and they solidify that inside. So then everybody has to go wider and further. And if I go wider as a three technique, I'm pushing my five to nine techniques further. Everybody's further away from the quarterback. And now, especially if you got a guy that knows what he's doing and can get the ball off quick, we can't get there. Like it's yeah. good, good guards, good interior play does make everything harder. And they also pass off games extremely well, which that is, if you can't run games and you can't make the offense wonder what you're doing, then you're in a really tough spot. There's nothing better than picking up on a game. Uh, I got a funny story to tell uh, you. Um, we were in the Pro Bowl together. It was my first year in the Pro Bowl, and you were about to run a get. You were about to run a tech stunt, and Kyle Williams looked up at me, and he was in the three tech, and he said, "Text." <laughs> like he, t- he told he me that it was coming. He told me he was coming. He's like, "I don't want you to get killed." <laughs> and he told me. And I remember Kevin I backed out. It happened in front of me, and I was yeah. like, "Thank Jesus that Kyle Williams didn't screw Damn, me." Damn, Kyle! Me the bus. Damn, he was Kyle. helping me out. He was helping a young guy. Uh, he's a good man. He's a good man. He's a good Kyle guy. Good man, I remember I he bought is. him a beer. Night, he was like, "Keep your money, buddy." Did you? Did you? There's did nothing you... like running a game and, and no one is sniffed out, and you're just running. Yes, and nothing there, and you're just <laughs> I, empty. I feel like I feel like you were like you were going hard in the Pro Bowl. Were you going hard in the Pro Bowl? So there was a prize uh, for them. A truck, a pickup <laughs> truck. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I, mean, I want that truck. Like I wanted yeah. that truck. And until uh, twenty, I think in twenty twenty. I finally sold it. I drove that truck until 2020. That's oh, how I, like, I legitimately wanted it and had it. I remember uh, the day that you won it. What and was you it? were so happy. It was like a Ford. It was an F-150? Like a or? UConn Denali. No, uh, UConn. Uh, Stafford got offensive and he got like the pickup truck and I got like the UConn Denali. Nice. Um, and you got to pay taxes on it. I didn't know that. Nobody told me that. Yeah. Damn. Uh-huh. So that, yeah. But it was like you got like a you know seventy five thousand dollar truck for ten grand or something. It was great. I, I but I yeah I played too hard. I mean I, again, it was probably dumb. But uh, yeah, I had an interception in that game. So you I know who it. else played really hard in that game was Michael Bennett. <laughs> Mike. Played so hard and come to find out he had been living in Hawaii. Like he yeah, like, yeah, took he, a, ta- a taxi from his to house game, to the yeah. game yeah. and played eighty snaps uh-huh. and was trying to get a sack every fucking play. Well, he was he oh, was yeah. another guy, and was, I was hung over. He was another guy that gave guards nightmares because of that matchup kind of advantage that he had, being shifty and kind of understand the angles outside. When you when you went outside and like this was the thing I told you is like the thing that always impressed me about you was like you could rush the edge like you were two fifty, but you were three hundred pounds, and I just I really admired it because as this guy who's like two sixty five soaking wet, I'm like I can't get that low, I can't my ankle doesn't work that way. Like how is he? Fi- how did you work on finishing at the top of the rush? Because I feel like that's a skill that separates, you know, the really good players from the Hall of Famers. And it was something that you always you always finished. You had to practice it. You had to work on something. Yeah, so I'm very fortunate. I had a lot of great people help me along my way. So starting in my sophomore year of high school, I started training uh, with this guy named Brad Arnett back in Wisconsin. He trained a bunch of NFL guys for the combine. So he was working on ankle flexibility, ankle flexion, making sure that you could get into those shin angles 
um, mm-hmm. mainly for L drills, five ten fives, things like that. Mm-hmm. But it obviously helps you as a pass rusher. So since my sophomore year of high school, I have been working on that flexibility. So you compound yeah. over time. And my ankle flexibility got to be extremely good, so I could turn that corner. And then in college, I had a great defensive line coach, Charlie Partridge, uh, yeah. who taught me literally basically everything about how to play defensive line. And one of the number one things he emphasized was throwing your outside arm at the end of a rush to bring That's your it. hips around and to clear and turn the corner. Huh. So I've been working on that since 2008. So I just had years and years and years of compounding reps of clearing my hips at the top of a rush, combining that with the ankle flexibility that Brad taught me. And I could, you know, that feeling better than any, that as you turn that corner and you feel it clear and you know that the next step you take oh, is propelling so good. you into the sack, like that is the dream I've like you dream about and you feel. And so once I got that feeling and I started to understand what that felt like, then you're just, it's like, I'm sure it's like chasing a high. I don't know. But it's like, yeah, you're chasing yeah. that high. And Same thing. It's the Fucking greatest feeling addicts. in the world, man. <laughs> Every time I hit the, the uh, a raw cone, <laughs> I feel like I'm throwing my outside yes. arm. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same dopamine rush. Oh, it's uh, the same. And then if the ball's stand, if the ball's sitting in the, and he's looking like this and you can just dink. Oh when, you, when, when, oh, when you just like the thing's not moving and that's because I always say that John Abraham told me when I was young, he's like, I don't even go for the fucking sack. I just go for the that, ball. That was Khalil Mack. That was the experience I had with Khalil Mack when he first came to the Bears. Remember the first Monday night game he came out and had three sacks and a, a strip yeah. touchdown. Um, yeah. He didn't do training camp. He didn't do OTAs. I remember before the game, I was like, what's your game plan? He said, go find that ball, baby. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he is, like you just said, he's going for the football. He's not going for the sack. That's a pretty yeah. cool can thing score to be able to, the football. That's a cool thing to be able to say, what's yeah. your game plan? I'm just going to go for the ball, ball. baby. Hey, that's when you know you're pretty good. <laughs> what, what What was your favorite tool in your toolbox that, like, when you hit the, this move, it felt the best? You know, like, for me, I loved hitting – landing a spin i always felt like when i had a clean spin i never got a sack you know like you win easy and you know the ball's gone yeah. but for you what was your favorite move to hit mine i would say was the the fake bull double swipe like i'd come in mm. looking like i'm gonna bull rush and then i double swipe and just knock both those arms down and the second that i i know right away i either hit the arms or i don't and if i catch those elbows and you clear that corner like it is a free mm. two to three yard run and you are just going straight at the quarterback, and there's there's nothing better than that. That's one of the best sounds for a pass rusher is two hands getting knocked down. You can hear it even uh-huh. even with all the the crowd noise. You can hear when you knock two hands down successfully. You know it's on, dude. Uh, yeah. I know the worst. Just... I know the worst thing to and see. And then if... you remember they're in soft zone, and the fucking ball's gone. But yeah, the worst thing to see as an O lineman is when JJ's got a bloody face because well, yeah, bloody like, face. You know, JJ it's like is a bad mask deal. rip Hamilton. Yeah, that's a bad like, deal. What about sack yeah. dances, man? Being a white boy who's got some rhythm. I mean, you do have some rhythm. No. I'm pretty impressed. No, relative no. to us here. Actually, Kyle, you can dance a little bit. Relative to me, you got rhythm. Like, how did you settle on a sack dance or a celebration? I didn't, man. I've got some bad ones. Like, there's a. I scored an 80 yard touchdown, and I like did this terrible version of the Nene. And yeah, obviously, the they play. Yeah, they play this 80 yard touchdown all the time in every highlight. And the dance is just horrendous. But it was at a point in my career where, like, I mean, I was playing some good football, and I started. You start to feel yourself a little bit, and so I was like, "Yeah, oh, yeah. I can do all these popular dances." Mm-hmm. And I, I was just look back, I'm like, "What in the world was I doing?" And who didn't slap me upside the head and say? Stop. Just just salute and get the fuck out of there. You know. Is that your biggest regret, that's, that's that Nene? Is the biggest regret in your career the Nene? 
so this is funny. So I did the main A one, and everybody was like, "That that was wrong. That's not how you." Name it. So <laughs> that, this this was at a time when like these TikTok dances. It was before TikTok, but like these dances were starting to come up. So yeah. Uh, there were like four dances that were popular at one time. It was like the Nene, uh, the dab, uh, the whip, and then the run run off on the plug. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get a sack. <laughs> no, I'm going to do all runoff. four of them. I'm going to do all four of them together. And I, I did all four of them, but I dabbed the wrong way. I, I did this, and I looked this way. Like I, I went, oh, oh no. yeah, 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 like, yeah. Like you say yes. bolt. Like I was like, yeah. And yeah. I, if I would have pulled it off, I actually think it might have been all right. But the dab just looks so horrible. So that's that's my regret is I couldn't. You saying bolt was your earliest indicator of weed in your future? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, yeah. I I, I want to apologize for something. I don't know if you even remember this. You know, sometimes when you play somebody who's really good, you'll do their celebration. And one time, I got a sack against the Texans, and you're going to remember this when I tell you what happened. But I ran to, to midfield to do the J.J. Watt. It was in Houston. And I ran 25 yards. And I turn around after I do the celebration. And my college, not teammate, but a Virginia alum, Matt Schaub, is writhing in pain. He's been hurt. I Remember when Schaub hurt his ankle? I fucked his ankle I up. And, and I, I didn't do. even know it. I ran to... Hey, yeah, you're an to, asshole. Yeah, exactly. I just, Thank you, JJ. Uh, JJ, I have an asshole. So uh, I admit that. Do you remember that at all? <laughs> do, do you remember that at all? Because we 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 were like, if somebody gets sacked, somebody's got to do the JJ Watt, and it just happened to be me, and uh, it happened to be the play that Matt Schaub fucked his ankle up on. Jeez. Yeah, no, I mean, white guys doing that celebration. It's uh, I, I don't know if I was that offended because we don't have many in the arsenal, so uh, that's <laughs> that's just like a standard white guy celebration. <laughs> The salute, yeah, I did. I, 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 I've done it yeah. before, not imitating you. So yeah, it's like I did, didn't have to go uh, deep. Yeah. Back. I did Aaron yeah. Rodgers. I did Aaron Rodgers belt one year, and then he threw six touchdowns on us. So dude, uh, that's one guy you don't fucking. Well, he'll the start cage. hard counting. Yeah. You don't rattle the cage on that motherfucker. He'll start hard yeah. counting you, and then you look like a fool. Yeah, and then uh, later in that game, I got a second sack, and I did the Clay Matthews celebration. Uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. the third quarter. We were already losing. I, don't I know what hated I playing like, that guy, JJ. That was where uh, I. That was where I learned the, uh, like, you don't celebrate a sack if you're down, like, I think we were only down, like, 10 or 13. But, like, I, I got crushed on Twitter after that. They were like, oh, look at this guy celebrating a sack down 10. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I didn't know you couldn't celebrate. Like, I thought I was excited. I was young. No, was you can't do that. Here. Forgive me. For you can't do that. Boy. Okay. Who did, who did sorry. you, like, early in your career, uh, I thought you guys had some really good players, man. Like, Antonio Smith was one of my favorite players when I was yeah. young. And also a great guy. Like, I party with him in Vegas. Like, we had a good time. And I just used to love watching you guys play, you and him. And I wonder how big of an effect he had on you. Were there other vets on that team? I know D'Amico was there for a year. How did you, when you were young, like, uh, learn from the older guys? Because that was a different league. Now, the oldest guys on the team are, like, 28, 29, 30 years old. Like, we had real vets. I agree. I mean, Antonio was literally one of my – favorite guys that I've played with. He, uh, he took me to sushi for the first time ever. Uh, like my first, I've never had sushi in my life. And he, he took me to sushi and introduced me to that. And it just so happens to be my favorite restaurant in the entire world still to this day. Um, but he, he kind of taught me a lot about pass rushing, a lot about mentality, a lot about, you know, having that dog in you. Like he was big on, on sometimes you just got to flip that switch and turn into a dog. Um, I had Brady James, who was a linebacker behind me, 
who was a, a, a vet in the league, he played for the Cowboys for a while. He came over to us. And in, in Wade Phillips' defense, kind of what we've spoken about, Brady let me have the freedom. So I was playing four. So basically, I'm technically responsible for the B gap. Um, and he's kind of covering me up with the C um, and, and looking at it. He's like A to C. But he told me after a couple, couple of games, he's like, hey, you take wherever you feel like you want to take. I'll just take wherever yeah. you do. And that to me, right. like having that guy behind me, who could I put him in a bad situation sometimes? Sure. Um, but he was confident and comfortable enough and he didn't care about stats. He didn't care about anything else. All he wanted to do was be like, he, he kind of gave me that, I know you can go make some plays that I might not be able to or somebody else. So you go do that. I'll cover everything up. And that was one of the biggest blessings for me in the way that I played the game because it turned out to be an incredible partnership and we made so many plays because of it. With uh, Andre Johnson, um, did he ever speak like out loud? Uh, and if so, was he ever upset? Like, did he ever? Do you remember any any time that Andre like spoke and everybody was like, "All right, I'm shutting the fuck up now" because I've never heard this guy talk. Dude, never. Andre never speaks. Uh, if he does speak, it's very quiet and like measured and directly to you in a quiet situation. But when he does speak oh. to you you hang on every single word and you listen to every single thing he says. I mean, he's, he's one of my favorite people ever. He's so underrated and he just got put on some very not great teams. And if you put him into some of these, you know, you put him on like the prime chiefs or you put him on like the Rams or something like his career is looked at in a massively different light if he's on some great teams. Um, but no, doesn't really speak when he does. It is like, you feel like, I love speaking to Andre when he act when he speaks because I'm like, he's talking to me. Like this is awesome. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like an eclipse. We went to we went to we went to early in my career, which took to, to me coming into Houston as a young guy was one of the, Andre. We went out one night um, to like dinner, and then we went to grab a drink afterwards. And this the per the bouncer at the place we were going into stopped. Andre was like, I'm sorry. Like it was something like he had like a white t-shirt or something. Like they were like, we don't let white t-shirts. And I literally looked at, I was a second year guy and Andre was a 10 year vet in fucking Houston. And I literally looked at the bouncer and I was like, sir, that's Andre Johnson. Let him in. And like, mm -hmm. I, I was like so offended that this dude didn't uh -huh, know yeah. that it was Andre. I was like, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> what like, is wrong with you, bro? Like, you're embarrassing <laughs> me just by yeah. being like, it was terrible, dude. So, but Andre did they let him so in? Cool so, yeah, no problem. I don't care. I don't give a shit. Like it was. He's just. He's Andre's the best. What? What? Were you there when he beat up my friend Corlin Finnegan? No, I was just there after it. But it's still my favorite Texans moment of all time. I mean, that's there's not, <laughs> especially if you know Andre. Like that's the greatest yeah. thing. If you know Andre, the level you have to go to provoke that from him, and then just knowing that like he always has that in him. The ability just mm -hmm. to be like, you know what? I can beat the shit out of anybody I want. <laughs> and he did it. Awesome. Um, with D'Amico Ryans, are you excited having getting to know him as a teammate and then, you know, like seeing him come back to Houston? I know it was a tough couple of years because, you know, from the D hop trade to the, the the coaches who weren't there along Cully, you missed that. But like, you know, I'm sure you have a soft spot for that franchise, even when you're playing in Arizona. Do you feel like, hey, we're in good hands a little bit more now? Uh, what do you expect from uh, Coach Ryan's? Yeah, no, I'm extremely excited. I, I, I agree with you. Obviously, there's been some tough years there. 
and kind of lost the way, finding the way. Um, but I think that this offseason has been as good as they can do for getting that thing back on track. You hired D'Amico. Um, you've got to give him a, a long leash to give him the ability to build his process, to build his program, to get the guys he wants in. Um, then you go out there and you draft, you know, CJ and Will in yeah. this huge splash on the draft, signifying like we're giving the assets to our new coach. We are turning this thing around and we are, we are putting this thing on a path forward. For myself and for all the former players and for the fans in the city, yeah. I think this offseason really signified, hey, let's we're, we're going to do this thing and we're going to do it right. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. And I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens. And for Will Anderson, you know, like you being a dominant rusher, he's going to have to be something like you for people to be like, yeah, you know, it was worth giving up all those assets. You know, Clowney, I thought, was uh, like – it's hard because Clowney, some people think he's overrated and somebody like me thinks he's underrated in a, in a weird way, like because he was so disruptive at his at his peak and he has been a really productive guy. I think he's he's very good in the run. He's good in the back. You saw Clowney up close early. You saw the pressure uh, that, that comes with being in a high pick. You didn't live that because you, you, know, you snuck up on people a little bit, but like watching Clowney's you know, uh, development and now seeing Will Anderson and all the expectations that are going to be on him, any advice you would have for Will Anderson? I, I would say never listen to anything in your first, you know, year um, because there's just so much. People are going to judge you by every single snap from OTAs all the way through. And I, that's, I, I did a video about it a couple of weeks ago on Twitter, and that's one of the things that I really don't love about how much media and attention goes to every single practice rep and every single game rep. Now, I fully understand that that's why we get paid millions of dollars, because people care that much. But yeah. you have these young guys, and you know, you're know you trying some moves in practice. You're in the NFL for the first time. You don't know necessarily what works, what doesn't work. So let's say, take your spin move, for example. Let's say you go out there and you want to try your spin move against Titus Howard. Will Anderson wants to try it against Titus Howard in practice. Will tries a spin move. Titus stones it, maybe knocks him down to the ground, maybe he falls. Some reporter clips that, puts it on Twitter. Now, all of a sudden, it's Will Anderson is a bust. What? Why? He was practicing a move. He tried it. It didn't work. Now he knows next time, or he has film to go back and watch and say, okay, I either got to you know, ice pick harder, or I got to plant my foot different, or maybe that move just doesn't work against Titus because he's got a good inside punch, whatever yeah. it may be. But now you're scared to practice a new move because mm. you don't want to look like an idiot on Twitter. And like one training of OTAs shit, is yeah. when you should be doing it. Like you should be yeah. practicing stuff and looking like an idiot because you're never going to find out what works and what doesn't if you don't. But I, I've seen it. So I've done it myself and I've seen so many guys that they just want to do whatever is going to look good because they don't want to look like an idiot. And that just hinders so many performances. So that's the, that's what I don't want to happen to Will is I don't want, you know, or CJ or any of these guys, you know, I think everybody's so tough on Tua right out of the gate as well. Like, there's so many of these guys that everybody's crazy hard on them right away. If you start reading that stuff and looking at that stuff, you get a little scared and then you get tentative and you can't become the true full player you can be. Yeah, you can't be afraid to fail. And so much of being a rusher is you got to fail. Like you, yes. you really have to fail. Like just what you said, like to take a move, deconstruct it. And the times that you're supposed to be practicing it, there's fucking 500 people at the practice and they all got cameras. So it's a tough deal. Where do you think... D hop would be the best fit. Like as his buddy, as somebody who I'm sure really likes the guy, like 
Um, I, I want to see him in New England. I just feel like watching him and Bill uh, together, the amount of respect that Bill has for him. You know, when Bill gets giddy about a player, you can see it. He's He's been giddy about D-Hop as an opponent, and I think him visiting up there is really cool. Tennessee's in the mix. What do you think about D-Hop? How much mileage left? Where would you like to see him? I think D-Hop is going to fit. I mean, the thing about D-Hop is you can put the ball anywhere within 10 yards and he's going to catch it. Um, he's, he's still got the best hands in the game. There's no doubt about that. So you, got, you put him into a situation where he's got uh, a receiver core around him where he's not going to catch the double teams, where you can, you can actually let him you know, go out there, get open, create some space, and, and just toss the ball up to him. And you, you want to talk about New England, he's got a, there's a young quarterback there. You know, what's a quarterback's best friend? A guy who catches everything you throw within 10 yards of him. You know, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. the most perfect ball. Hop's going to come down with it. So that's certainly a good situation. I know he wants to go somewhere and win. Um, I mean, that's a that's a double-edged sword. I mean, a lot of times you're going to have to take significantly less or you're going to have to go into a role, different roles and whatever it might be. So I, it, everything sounds great until it comes time to actually make it all happen and come come together. So I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, I know he's been on a tour. He's been going to visit other places, but... I want to see him win. I know how that feels. Like I know, I know what it feels like to obviously have been in Houston and Arizona, both places he's been. Um, but the reality of it is also, you we don't know. Like there's there's a couple places you can go where you're like, okay, they got a pretty damn good shot of being in the playoffs and making a good push. I mean, yeah, you want to go to Kansas City, you're going to have a pretty damn good shot of getting to the AFC Championship and getting to the Super Bowl, maybe win a Super Bowl. Um, it's this this a deeper conversation for another day, but. There's also that, like, okay, a ring is a ring, but, like, how much would they have won that ring if you weren't there? Like, right. possibly. There's a lot of that yeah. type of conversation, too, you know, whereas it's, it's, that's a fascinating debate. That's, that why I, I don't, that's why I don't like people when they're like, you're a two-time Super Bowl winner, Chris Long. Like, that's, like, part of my bio. You know, certainly I made a difference, especially on that Philly team. But, like, you know, chances are – they probably win it without you. I mean, you could make that as somebody else in my chair might make those plays. And I think, you know, for somebody like you, you're going to retire, no rings. Like, it doesn't matter for a position player. Like, there's just not really a – there's not really, when you evaluate somebody's legacy, a big um, connection I would make with rings unless you're a quarterback. I yeah, mean, there's one know, position that does it. Like, there's one position that there is no question you can hand that guy, shake that guy's hand and say, you are – the reason that we and that's a quarterback like that's mm-hmm. yeah. that's just a fact it's the the rest of it i mean going through my process there's a bunch of teams that people said i should have gone to and you know opportunities yeah where'd like, you almost go where'd you almost go yeah. at 21 was Pitts, yeah. was pittsburgh like on the list um they were i mean certainly it would have been awesome to play with my brothers but tj was also going through a concert contract situation there and the last thing i was going to yeah. do was come in and take, take any money, money away from his contract yeah, yeah. um so but like the teams, a lot of the teams I was looking at, they didn't win the Super Bowl, and people are yeah. like, "Oh, you you chose like you chose this, you chose that." I'm like, neither of us won it. So what are you like? You're yeah. acting like I like I spurned the Super Bowl winner. No, I didn't. Yeah, like we yeah. neither of us won. So Scottsdale's pretty I, sweet though. We started out seven and zero. Like we started out seven and zero in Arizona, and, and things were rolling. We were playing good ball. Um, I got hurt, and it obviously went. I'm not saying me getting hurt went downhill. No, but it, it was all at the same time. It uh, we just went downhill from there, and it was tough. But like, you can't tell me that there wasn't a chance we were going to go do something special. Like, 
Nobody knows anything. If you did, I'd go to Vegas and I'd put a shitload of money on it right now. Like there's people just, called there's me an my- idiot. People called me an idiot going to Philly. Like immediately yeah. when I left New England, they were like, "Oh, you you want money? You want?" I was getting paid like one five. Like you know, like no, I just yeah. I, you know, like yeah. it's throwing the fucking, uh, it's shooting craps. You know, it's yeah. you just don't know. So, um, yeah. Uh, what are you? Last question about your football career. What are you most proud of, man? Like if if you want to be remembered for one thing, whether it's one one play, one thing that you did, like what are you most proud of? Man, that's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm. This is like it's partially a uh, a selfish thing, but it was really really cool to me. The fact that after 12 years in the NFL. I mean, 12 years in the NFL is something I'm proud of, but after 12 years in the NFL, uh, my last game and my last play, I walked off in an opponent stadium in my own division and they chanted my name in an opponent stadium while my son and my wife and my parents were in the crowd. Um, to, to have been able to do something over 12 years and whatever it is, football, non-football, but for opposing fans to be able to, to do that for me in my last game and for the opposing team to put my name up on the scoreboard as I walked off the field for the last time with my wife and son and parents in attendance, I'm proud of the fact that that's how I, I left the game. Um, it, was, it was cool. I never got to win a championship. I never got to, to even really sniff a Super Bowl. Um, but I played the game I loved for 12 years and I lived out a dream that millions of people have. And I met a lot of really cool people along the way, and I got to walk away under my own power. I'm, I'm very proud of that. Man, that's, that's awesome. Fat, that's fabulous. No, that's so cool. And it was cool for people watching, man. You know, like, before we do let you go, um, you know, just a lot of respect for your career, man. I mean, uh, no doubt. You hear it all the time, but as two guys that played, you, you played the right way, you played hard, and, and, uh, and you were incredible, man. It was awesome. So everybody saw it. I think we were all a little bit like those people. Uh, in that opposing stadium he's like hey you know what fucking good shit man you know it's great so congrats and uh i appreciate it. Nat- the sentiment is yeah. mutual i appreciate you guys you guys have done it right your dad is obviously uh an idol yeah. of mine he's done it right his whole no way but you guys both did it right and you were both a blast to yeah. watch and to follow along with and entertaining and humble and exciting and great ball like you guys have done Thanks, it man. all all right. It's been a it's been a blast to take the field with you, and now it's been a blast to sit down with you. So I, I really appreciate so, you guys. Did so so the question is: Are you going to sit down with us like as a podcast, or are you going to be on TV? This is the last thing people want to know. Where are we going to see JJ Watt next? Um, I'm going to dabble. Uh, I'm going to dabble this fall. I don't want to do anything full time. I want to really take yeah. my time. Come practice with us. So yeah, yeah. you'll see a, you'll see a, a little bit watch. of this, a little bit of that. Um, nothing full time. I want to spend a lot of time with my son. Um, but this fall I'll do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And then next year I'll really try and figure it out because I don't want to dive all into one thing and then hate it. So we'll I'm take a break. Yeah. Oh, I can tell you that from experience. Yeah. Working with your brother and shit. Uh, enjoy, enjoy the family, man. Thanks for yeah. coming on. Thank this you. is a freaking yeah, blast. Yeah. 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 Appreciate a lot you guys. Of fun. Have a great day, man. Thank you so much. Thank you too, you, brother. Go, Bur- go right. Burnley. Go Burnley.